Coming up on the show today, our guest is former Assistant Attorney General Jeff Clark. We plan to discuss the 2020 election, the upcoming 2024 election, and the fact that the FBI raided his home over six weeks before they raided Mar-a-Lago. That and a lot more are on this edition of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We are the show that pushes back against the Uniparty. Let you in on the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode 220 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Thursday, August 18th, 2022. Just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. I will never pretend a man can become a woman, and I will never forget about the January 6th political prisoners. Most Republican politicians refuse to even mention. And August 8th, 2022, the day the Biden regime's secret police conducted an unprecedented and unconstitutional raid on the home of a former president of the United States, is a day that will live in infamy. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. Also, please subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. Now, today I'm joined by former Assistant U.S. Attorney General Jeff Clark, one of the valiant few in President Trump's inner circle who tried to help him stop the 2020 election from being stolen. Mr. Clark got his B.A. from Harvard, his M.A. at University of Delaware, and his J.D. at Georgetown Law. He was actually Assistant Attorney General over two different divisions of DOJ simultaneously. You know what? I guess I should have turned down the... Uh, I guess I should have turned down the volume on my phone. Boy, live radio. Live radio, isn't it something? Well, this isn't live radio, but it's a live podcast. Yeah, let me just turn down the volume on the old phone here. Boy, this is this is truly embarrassing. Yeah, there we go. All right, sorry about that. He was actually Assistant Attorney General over two different divisions of DOJ simultaneously, the Civil Division and the Environmental and Natural Resources Division. Mr. Clark is a senior fellow and director of litigation for Renewing America, an organization that seeks to renew a consensus of America as a nation under God with unique interests worthy of defending that flow from its people, institutions, and history where individuals' enjoyment of freedom is predicated on just laws and healthy communities. Amen. Mr. Clark, we appreciate your service to our country, and it's an honor to have you on the Doc Washburn Show today. How are you? I'm good. Well, thanks, Doc, for having me. And clearly, you're a popular guy with calls coming in at all times. <laughs> Thank you so much. What did you think when FBI agents started banging on your door at 7 o'clock in the morning, June 22nd of this year? Well, you know, since I'm uh, more of a night person than a morning person, uh, there are a lot of cobwebs uh, in my mind, to be honest. Um, as I reflected on it, uh, you know, my reaction was that this isn't America, and my reaction uh, seeing the Mar-a-Lago raid was even more so that, that I can't believe this is America at this point. I mean, how have we degenerated to this point in our political interactions and, and discourse and in where law enforcement is at the federal level? It's, it's really just flabbergasting. Okay, Um Here's an irony for me. You were assistant attorney general over two different divisions of the Department of Justice while Donald Trump was president. One of those divisions was the civil division. And in researching for this interview, I came up with the idea that as assistant attorney general of the civil division, um, your division was actually responsible for defending the U.S. government if folks were suing and, you know, one lawsuit might be, hey, I was uh, treated unfairly or unconstitutionally or whatever when federal agents showed up in my home and did fill in the blank 
and now here you are on the receiving end. Did did you at any point ask these FBI agents why they were treating you as if you were the head of a South American drug cartel? Well, I I, I didn't. I asked them some questions. We can get into that a little bit. Yeah. But. That's an interesting irony you point out because uh, that part of the civil division, and civil division is huge. It's a thousand lawyers. Stuff. Yeah, sure. Um, so towards branch is the is the part of the civil division that does those kinds of cases. So you're right. If I were ever to, uh, you know, bring some kind of action against the U.S., uh, you know, the the people who used to work for me would be the ones who uh, defended that. Um, that's an irony that that had not uh, actually occurred to me. In terms of what happened that day, you know, my first request, uh, and all this is eerily similar to what I heard from uh, Christina Bob about the raid on Mar-a-Lago, is, you know, I first asked, well, let me see the warrant. And it took me a while to get the warrant as well. Certainly, if I had not asked for it, I wouldn't have gotten anything, I don't think. Um, and it took me a while of arguing with them to actually get it. Then I saw, well, all right, there's an attachment A, there's an attachment B. Where are they? You haven't given me those. Um, and then, uh, you know, there's also an affidavit. So just as President uh, Trump does not have a copy of the affidavit used to provide the ostensible probable cause for execution of that warrant, um, similarly, I still don't have a copy, even though I've been uh, repeatedly asking for it, of the affidavit that was used to uh, you know, get the warrant against my house. So most of my exchanges with the agents that day, and I, I should correct you uh, briefly to say, the agents actually were not FBI agents. They were agents of the Office of Inspector General inside the Justice Department. And then they were accompanied by two, I believe, detectives from the Fairfax County, Virginia uh, Police Department. And I take it that they were involved uh, in the theory that, you know, they're the local folks. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they want to have some local folks along. Although I will say, that, uh, you know, CNN got body cam uh, footage, which has been making the rounds on the net, you know, embarrassingly showing me in my uh, underwear outside my house. Um, and they strategically put a still picture on top of the video that makes it look as if I was handcuffed when I was not arrested or handcuffed. Uh, you know, it's all an effort, I think, to intimidate me, intimidate. A lot of what's going on in the country now is to intimidate uh, uh, patriots. But, you know, again, it was it was uh, OIG folks from the Justice Department and Fairfax County Police. Okay, let me make sure I understand this. Michael Horowitz, the Inspector General of the United States Department of Justice, the guy who came out with what even President Trump says are, you know, some, some pretty good uh, uh, reports on um, uh, malfeasance, unprofessionalism, uh, perhaps even crimes that people in the FBI may have committed. He sends people over to treat you like this? Well, I, one of the other questions I posed uh, in writing, not, not at the time to the agents, was, you know, is this something that was done on the inspector general's authority exclusively, or was it done basically because you know, the inspector general reports to the uh, to the attorney general? Was it done by the attorney general? They haven't asked, uh, answered that question yet. So, um, you know, I, I, I share your admiration for some of the reports that were done. Uh, you know, I remember reading the entirety of the, uh, the report about McCabe, for instance, um, you know, from, from Michael Horowitz. So, you know, I don't want to prejudge uh, anything in terms of, you know, why, uh, you know, he he uh, is involved in this. Um, you know, I should keep my, my powder dry on that. Sure, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but I think, you know, the, just the idea that sort of one of the Justice Department's own would be raided when essentially they could have uh, contacted me, right, and asked, uh, you know, for sort of a voluntary, uh, you know, exchange of, of electronic devices, I don't, um, I don't understand why they thought they needed to take that drastic step. And it's the same thing as to President Trump, right? Obviously, they'd had prior discussions, negotiations with, uh, with and through the National Archives about the documents that were being held at Mar-a-Lago. Why was it necessary for, uh, you know, dozens of agents to show up, including those from the hostage rescue team, um, you know, which is the, the elite of the 
the FBI, like the FBI SWAT team, as it were, yeah. for President Trump. It just doesn't make any sense. And so it, it, it tends to lead to you know, big questions and big worry of, you know, what's really going on here? Indeed. You know, for our listeners, the Fourth Amendment to the United States Constitution says the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrants shall issue but upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. Now, again, when they bang on your door insistently at 7 o'clock in the morning, they're not dealing with El Chapo. Um, any, any particular reason that they're saying, no, you can't put your pants on. We want CNN to get photos of you in your underwear out on the street. Uh, it, it, is there any particular reason they offer to you? Clearly, um, you're not a violent person. You don't have any criminal record. Um, th- this is just outrageous. And it's incomprehensible unless you want to go to uh, ulterior motives for the people in charge. So, you know, look, you're right. I don't have any criminal record. Uh, you know, I have uh, some speeding tickets, um, you know, including uh, uh, some fast speeding tickets. I, I confess I like to drive fast sometimes. But, uh, but that's it, right? And certainly, uh, you know, while I, I live in Virginia and while I have uh, – you know, firearms in a safe, right? You know, the idea that uh, I was going to react to, uh, you know, being raided in that way to, you know, kind of fight back is is really crazy. Um, And look, you know, they could have sent a couple uh, folks in with me to uh, put my pants on, right, and observe me at all times, and they, they refused to do that. I understand why they do a sweep of the house before they do a warrant execution, because, you know, they want to make sure that there are no dangers there. And I know that even though for me, as you point out, right, they should know there's not any danger. You know, they do have a kind of standard protocol. But I really don't understand why, uh, you know, like, for instance, right, they could have, like, just kept me at the door to my house and surrounded me with three or four people, right, done their sweep, and then had someone bring down some pants to me, right? I, I, why, why did I have to come outside the house? and be out in my driveway and then, you know, being, uh, you know, photographed, videoed by the, the body cams. That's the mystifying part. And, you know, it, it, it's the kind of thing where, look, you know, as you know, for Roger Stone, when they raided him, yeah. you know, including in an amphibious uh, operation, right, because I think he lives on an intracoastal or something like that, you know, they came up in boats behind his house, too, as well as, you know, by land. One if by land, two if by sea. And CNN was tipped off to that in advance, and they filmed it all. So, you know, this is speculation. You know, maybe maybe they realized, like, that didn't go over so well with the American people. Um, And, you know, the first move of CNN actually was to try to see if they could get, uh, you know, uh, movies, video, pictures of me and my family. And, you know, from what I understand from uh, my neighbors, Nobody was a taker on that, even though CNN was offering money. Um, so, you know, then they, they went to what seemed to be the fallback of getting the body cam footage from Fairfax County. So, again, Inspector General Michael Horowitz of the Justice Department, someone whom I'm sure, as an assistant attorney general of two different vision, uh, divisions of DOJ, this is a gentleman I'm sure that, that you knew, you'd had conversations with. Um, I didn't even realize, because I'd always heard that his job is to investigate the DOJ um, because he's the inspector general. The idea uh, that he would be part of some kind of um, criminal division to develop probable cause to indict somebody this is all new to me. Is this unusual in, in your understanding of what he's supposed to be doing? It seems unusual to me, but, you know, uh, I didn't have lots of uh, interactions with him. I can remember once we were on the stage for the annual DOJ 
uh, awards together um, at uh, uh, DAR, the you know uh, Daughters of the American Revolution, uh, all in DC. Uh, but um, you know, so so let's say I'll just give you a hypothetical, right? Let's say there's a, a current DOJ official, and you know they have access to budget dollars or something, and they're and they're skimming money out of that, right? Like that would be a classic thing for the inspector general yeah. to investigate. Um, so it's not as if, uh, you know, and, and I haven't, you know, and my lawyers and I, we haven't gotten, uh, we haven't fully researched the issue of how uh, the inspector general's uh, powers under the inspector general act of 1975 kind of fully map onto my situation. Um, so, you know, we're, we're, we're continuing to look at that, but it does seem, you know, a little bit uh, unusual and, um, you know, I also wouldn't, uh, uh, you know, rule out that, uh, you know, he's, he's giving me a, uh, you know, a fair, uh, you know, a fair sense here of like being investigated for, you know, what I did, uh, especially at the, at the tail end of 2020 into early 2021. Um, I do think that the raid aspect of it, the surprise raid aspect of it was unnecessary. I mean, Certainly, you know, I've been a litigator for a long time, right? If I was, you know, uh, if, if things were subpoenaed, then, you know, uh, and it's a valid subpoena, um, you know, I'm going to turn it over. That's not to say that if, you know, I thought there were defects in the subpoena, I wouldn't move to quash it. But that's the legal kind of process we have in America, right? I, I don't think, as you were pointing out, that I'm anything remotely like El Chapo or, you know, if I hear they're going to do this, right, I'm going to hop on a plane to – uh uh, you know, to um, Moscow or something. Uh, you know, I've been, I've been a, I'm an American, and uh, you know, I'm going to work through the process. Okay. Um, you, you know what I think. You know where I stand from my introduction about what went down in November of 2020. Can you tell us anything about what you tried to do to help President Trump and our country between November 2020 and January 2021, or? Your attorney's telling you that's kind of off limits. Well, Doc, let me say this in, in response to that. Uh, you know, I've invoked a series of, of privileges and, yep. you yep. know, had a, a long fight in letter form. The letters are, you know, letter exchanges up on the January 6th committee website. Um, you know, I invoked executive privilege, law enforcement privilege. Indeed, let me put a pin in the law enforcement privilege for a second. Um uh, attorney-client privilege, right? And then ultimately when the committee rejected uh, those three privileges, I think without any real basis, uh, you know, then I invoked the the, uh, the Fifth Amendment privilege. So I can't describe in, in any detail uh, uh, anything about that because it wouldn't be consistent with me invoking the, the, the privilege. And, you know, any conversations especially that I had with uh, President Trump, in my view, that's the sacred trust. And yeah. it, it can't be violated. Um, so now I said about the putting the pin in the law enforcement privilege. Interestingly enough, there's a letter from uh, the Justice Department to me that says uh, uh, President Biden has overruled uh, President Trump's uh, invocation of executive privilege as to you. And I have a letter about executive privilege from one of President Trump's lawyers. Um, but uh, you know, we are invoking law enforcement privilege. And, uh, you know, then that begs the question of, well, okay, then why, if, if I was looking at law enforcement activities in connection with the election, why wouldn't that be privileged? And it seems like they have a very, um, you know, it, like sort of uh, heads, heads they win, tails I lose kind of approach, right, of other officials in the Justice Department can testify all day long about internal discussions about uh, potential law enforcement activities, um, you know, uh, but they actually had lawyers from the Justice Department go to their depositions, and whenever questions were asked about, well, what did you do to investigate uh, election irregularities in, in 2020, basically uh, objections were raised that they couldn't get into that due to law enforcement privilege. So you see how convenient that is. Yeah. They can't get into, you know, what they did to look at the, the uh the election irregularities, but if anyone wants to talk about, uh, you know, anything I might have discussed about that, they're green-lighted to do it. So it looks like it's a one-way ratchet to get me, to get President Trump, 
but not a full and fair, you know, discussion of, of what was done about election irregularities. And you, you know that that uh, former AG Barr said, you know, look, I never saw any evidence of, uh, you know, election irregularities at a magnitude that could have changed the outcome of the election. But there have been two witnesses who've come forward about that. One is uh, the U.S. attorney in Philadelphia, my hometown, uh, uh, Bill McSwain. He said that he had an election fraud case. He wanted to pursue it. He wanted to have a press conference. And that uh, Barr told him, uh, no, don't, uh, don't investigate it. Don't pursue it. Don't have a press conference. And anything you have, turn over to the Democrat AG uh, in Pennsylvania, which is like, a, and that guy had already pronounced that Trump was going to lose the election. So yeah. good luck for a fair investigation there. And then the second witness is a woman who was the White House liaison. Her name is Heidi Stirrup. Um, she says that she met with Barr and Barr's chief of staff, Will Levy, and that uh, Barr basically said he wasn't doing investigations. She testified in a declaration that was filed in one of the January 6th cases. And she said that um, the, the rationale basically was, well, A, it'll take too long. It'll take it into 2021, uh, and we don't have that time. And B, it's really something the state should do or, uh, you know, the campaign should do for, for Trump. And so, you know, there are some big inconsistencies between the claim that, you know, there was kind of a maximum effort to look at election irregularity uh, by those who've been uh, attacking me, savaging me in the, in the press and in, in public testimony and what some other witnesses have said. So that's where I'll leave it there, Doc. If I sure. No, that's that's fine. I, you know, I had to ask, and uh, certainly that's a, a fair response. You mentioned January six cases. Do you have concerns about how the Biden Justice Department is treating January six defendants? I, I do. I, I think that look, um, uh, if you're engaged in trespass, right, then certainly you have broken the law and. Um, you should pay some consequences for that. And similarly, uh, if you engaged in violence, you should uh, be faced with harsher uh, consequences. And when you're talking about you know, an important day in the constitutional process that culminates in uh, the president-elect taking the oath of office and being sworn in on January 20th, um, you know, you could imagine that that's a very serious situation that might warrant, you know, some, some heightened penalties. But what's going on with these defendants, uh, you know, to my mind, not only violates, you know, equal treatment under the law in terms of what happened to the Antifa, uh, uh, et cetera, BLM protesters in the summer of rage in 2020. It also, you know, they're being held in pretrial detention uh, and they shouldn't be being punished, but they're being effectively punished. Many of them, have been kept at least for some period of time in solitary confinement. I don't think that should be happening. Even some of the judges on the, the district court for the District of Columbia, which lawyers here call the DDC, uh, the DDC, some of the DDC judges have recognized the conditions in the jail that some people refer to as, you know, the DC gulag are, are terrible. Yeah. It, it doesn't seem to me that what's happening to them is at all proportional to, to what happened. Right. I, I think you know, that there was a mob psychology that took over for some people and they wound up going inside and, uh, you know, getting carried away. Um, there are other people, though, who seem to be let in, right? Oh, yeah. And, uh, so, you know, if there are people being voluntarily let in, I don't understand how they could even be prosecuted at all. Um, and it seems like some of those people might be being prosecuted on this, like, very low-level concept of parading. So I, I think what is happening to them is is uh, disgraceful at important levels. It's just it's it's far far out of proportion to to what happened. So I, I would not say that uh, you know lawbreakers shouldn't be punished, but you have to keep in mind uh, you know what happens to protesters on the left, uh, and you know you need to make sure that you get equal treatment for them. And I don't think that that's remotely happening at this point as to the January sixth defendants. Yeah, and, and when you look at video of this guy, Ray Epps, uh, the night before January 6th, and then even during the day, we're going to go into the Capitol, into the Capitol. And, and you realize the, he was, uh, one of the top 20 on the FBI's website, most wanted. And then, you know, they talk to him. He's never been indicted on anything. 
you, you, you also have video of the, the day that uh, people are storming the Capitol and there's, uh, there's a guy with glasses on on top of the scaffolding with a, with a bullhorn, uh, urging people to get into the Capitol. And there, there, there doesn't seem to be any concern about finding out who he is, bringing him to justice. Um, the FBI refuses to release video of the guy who allegedly planted pipe bombs in front of the DNC and the, and the RNC. And, and that whole story seems to be down the memory hole. I mean, I, I don't blame people for saying, oh, this wasn't an insurrection. It was a fedsurrection. You, you, you have, uh, agents of the federal government whenever they are, uh, under oath, um, you know, in, in front of congressional committees and, and they're asked, well, how many, Federal agents were in amongst the crowd that day. I'm sorry, I can't answer that question. So what's the deal with Ray Epps? Yeah, I I can't answer that question. Uh, I mean, I think people are reasonably suspicious about how the whole thing went down uh, January 6th. And, and, uh, you know, for that matter, the the, the, the hoax about kidnapping the Michigan governor, which is announced after early voting, starts October of 2020. And then you find out that the guy who was in charge of the Detroit field office right after that uh, was put in charge of the Washington, D.C. FBI field office just in time for January 6th. I mean, t- to me, the whole thing stinks. It smells to high heaven. So I have uh, I share a lot of those same suspicions, uh, Doc. And, um, you know, look, it's you know, the one data point you didn't include was, you know, it seems like there's only one J6 uh, person who uh, was doing things that were suspicious and indeed right as you as you noted he was caught on video both on January 5th and on January 6th 2021 yep. Ray Epps uh, urging people to go into the Capitol indeed at one point he concedes uh, that look I might go to jail for this right so there's a real you know like tailor made for a jury uh, you know admission of, of uh, you know state of mind and you know uh, consciousness of guilt. Um, but the, the one data point you didn't mention, right, is there's only one of those folks uh, who, you know, has anything like that. And, hit, you know, and Epps is extreme even on all those, uh, you know, dimensions that the New York Times did a puff piece about. Um, you know, Alan Foyer did this piece about Ray Epps as if he's some kind of, you know, figure for sympathy and figure for, uh, you know, he's just been given a, a raw deal. I mean, it, I, I just would challenge anyone. If the facts as to Ray Epps were true as to someone uh, who was being prosecuted, there's no way that the that the New York Times would be doing a piece defending him. So that just yeah. since they're oftentimes kind of the stenographers for the establishment or the Uniparty, uh, you know, it just it really raises eyebrows. And you know, oh, the other thing that that in your litany, which was excellent, that you didn't mention was you know recently it's come out uh, from the Epic Times that Ray Epps uh, said that, uh, you know, one of the reasons why he came to D.C. was he he had heard and he was concerned that there might be bombs on side streets. Yep. Well, um, you know, this guy seems remarkably well-informed. Um, and why is that? And, and uh, you know, why was he removed from the, the most wanted list? You know, we haven't gotten any uh, explanation of that. No one will talk about exactly how many implanted agents or contractors there were and you know ray epps gives these uh kinds of you know carefully worded lawyerly like denials of like i am not an fbi agent right okay well but that begs the question were you any kind of agent are you a contractor uh for some uh security agency were you a contractor and the contractor right the issue is does he have a a, a causal nexus to government action that was lined up and preceded January 6th or not. That's the question he should yeah, be yeah. made to answer. And, you know, instead he, he tries to stick to something that, you know, might be true, which is, you know, he, he, he's not an FBI agent. I don't know. Maybe he's a, a military agent. Maybe he's a military contractor. No one really knows, but those questions need to be gotten to the bottom of. And I think when, uh, you know, knock on wood, Congress changes hands, the house changes hands, in January of this coming year, I think Kevin McCarthy needs to make sure that there's a continuation of the January 6th process, but a fair one, and it needs to look at those questions and get to the bottom of them, Doc. Yeah, and and, and I know we'd agreed on uh, about a half hour with you, and we're at the half hour mark. Could could I implore you 
Uh, please, could I ask maybe two or three more questions before I let you go? Uh, sure, Doc. That's okay. Thank you. God bless you. Um, so I've seen the video of uh, uh, Lieutenant Michael Byrd shooting Ashley Babbitt with no warning at point-blank range, and then I find out that he refused to even do a statement. He refused to cooperate with the investigation into that shooting, and we're just acting like that's okay, not a problem. Um, do, do you have concerns uh, about how she lost her life and the investigation or lack thereof of the fellow who had kind of a spotty record already just uh, deciding unilaterally to, to shoot her? Yes, I, 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 I'm concerned about that. You know, I, I, I wouldn't want to uh, prejudge his case in, in particular, Yeah, um, you know, in terms of the future. But, I mean, he, I don't understand how an unarmed woman who looks like, I don't know, she's maybe like 5'1 or 5'2 and, you know, 120 pounds or something, like why she was a, a, such a big threat that uh, you needed to shoot her. Um, you know, we've seen some footage, right, and it was carefully uh, uh, collated uh, for the January 6th committee and for the, uh, especially for the second impeachment against President Trump, you know, that showed some, some you know, uh, officers, Capitol Police, really in, you know, kind of hard-pressed with, you know, men who looked kind of burly, you know, attacking them, right? So, you know, if, if you're going to see a situation where somebody thought their firearm usage was necessary, you would think it would have come out in a situation like that. But, you know, those, those uh, officers you see in that kind of footage exercise restraints, um, even though they were, you know, really being physically challenged. But, yeah. you know, to, to my mind, there's like a window and there's a tiny lady trying to call, crawl through it. It's just, it, it raises very serious questions of like, why did he think he was in danger? Absolutely. And, and, and the one interview he gave with, uh, Lester Holt, NBC News, very sympathetic, um, softball interview. And he looks just as nervous as a cat on a hot tin roof with Lester Holt of all people. Okay. Uh, next to last question, Nancy Pelosi's January 6th committee really is unprecedented. What do Americans need to, to know about that whole, um, procedure, that whole process? Well, I think they need to, to look at some history. I think that the uh, the way in which the January 6th committee has proceeded uh, without any real minority representation, they just had the two uh, uh, token uh, Republicans of Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger. And, you know, it's clear that they're blinded by hatred of Donald Trump. Uh, and, you know, they, Liz Cheney in particular has vowed to make sure that he can never return uh, to the Oval Office or to public office at all. And, you know, I, the historical analog for, for, you know, this for me, you mentioned my undergraduate background. I double majored in economics and, you know, Russian-Soviet history oh boy. for the Soviet show trials. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that the way some of the, uh, the Soviet uh, show trials were conducted, at least they had lawyers with them who could cross-examine witnesses um, you don't even have that here, right? You just have a one-sided unilateral monolith that always votes in a 9-0 block, um, you know, which should raise questions right there about whether you're really dealing with, you know, Democrats and Republicans. It, there's no better indication of the uniparty than the 9-0 block voting of the January 6th committee. They're just not giving people due process. And, you know, they're – there was like one instance, which is what they always point to, I think of a Hurricane Katrina situation where the majority uh, in Congress, which were Republicans, just kind of like put together, you know, a, a targeted committee. But, you know, the magnitude of that compared to the magnitude of this, it's really like, you know, mega apples and oranges. I don't, I don't buy that that justifies what the January 6th committee has done. And, you know, you get things like Cassidy Hutchinson, who goes on national TV and she's being questioned, uh, you know, but it's all, you know, carefully choreographed questions in advance. And, you know, she tells this fantastical tale of how President Trump was supposedly in the beast when he, he was in the SUV, as we know now, uh, you know, trying to wrest the steering wheel away from, a, you know, a seemingly bulky, uh, you know, uh, Secret Service agent. That's just, you know, you would obviously, if you had a balanced committee, 
and basic rights of fairness for each party. You would have, she would have gotten withering cross-examination on that. And you don't get that because of how unfairly structured uh, this committee is. And it's a real uh, clarion call, I, I should think, for the people of America to wake up and, and see what the dangers are of the monopolization of power and how uh, not respecting our, our classic constitutional liberties can really lead us down a, a wrong and very dangerous path. Yes, as uh, Stalin's head of uh, state security, Berea, once said, show me the man, I'll show you the crime. Okay, um, last question, and again, we really appreciate uh, Jeffrey Clark, uh, former assistant uh, U.S. Attorney General, for being on the program today. Four days after the FBI raided Mar-a-Lago, Sean Davis over the Federalist went out on Twitter and said, and I quote, prediction. An illiterate D.C. grand jury of hardcore Democrat partisans will indict Trump. A separate jury of hardcore partisans will convict Trump. A corrupt D.C. circuit will affirm the conviction. And the Supreme Court of the United States will be left to overturn, at which point the left will violently attack the Supreme Court. God help us all. Um, Do you agree or disagree with his prediction? Well, I, my reaction to that is that I don't want to see the country go in that direction, Doc. Of course. And I'd like to think that uh, they will pull back from the precipice uh, on, on you know, that prediction and where it leads, because I don't think that they seem to have anticipated how much national uh, negative reaction and, and shock and surprise and, and amazement were generated by the Mar-a-Lago raid, that seemed to have caught them by uh, surprise. So, for instance, you know, there's a Newsweek article, and it indicated, uh, you know, before we got to where we are right now, you know, the day of a hearing in front of Magistrate Judge Reinhardt about whether to unseal the affidavit uh, to support probable cause or unseal it in part with redactions, um, that Newsweek article had... uh, seemingly high-level Justice Department officials who were anonymous, but, you know, it was they were said to have been cleared at higher levels to say that the Justice Department really wasn't involved with that warrant. It, it was the FBI. Um, later, though, obviously, we saw the Attorney General come to the podium, uh, you know, up on the, uh, the, the briefing room that I've been in many times on the sixth floor and say, uh, that, well, no, he, he authorized it. So why is it that we have that disconnect between an initial story and a later story? I think that, uh, you know, they, they totally underestimated what the, the outrage factor would be here. And, you know, if they underestimated that, um, you know, they, they may say to themselves, if we indict uh, former President Trump, especially on, you know, document-related crimes, the outrage factor is going to be, you know, exponential, you know, 10 on that. And it may cause them to pull back. And that would be my hope for the country that they don't uh, just tear us asunder like that by doing something that, that uh, you know, just doesn't make sense. And I think it's contrary to equal protection of the laws because we know, you know, how former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton handled her documents. Sure. You know, how uh, past presidents with their presidential documents have, have uh, been allowed to, uh, you know, can't maintain a lot of control over them. It just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense that they're holding President Trump to a different standard. Indeed. Um, Jeffrey Clark, uh, thank you so much for coming on the program today. We really appreciate your service uh, to our country. Uh, if people want to find out more about uh, Renewing America, what's, what's a good website? Yeah, so it's the Center for Renewing America. That's a quick Google search. You'll pop it up. We're headed by uh, Russ Vogt, um, who I work closely with in the Trump administration, especially in the Environment Division because of all the regulations that run through uh, OMB. He was the head of OMB. And, uh, you know, we got a lot of great fellows. We got Cash Patel. We have uh, Mark Paoletta. Uh, we have Ken Cuccinelli, and, and I'm the, the, the most recent uh, addition to the team, and I think we're doing great work. And uh, so I urge anyone to go to our website, you know, sign up for uh, our periodic emails, follow us on 
uh, Twitter and, and Truth Social and, and Getter and, uh, you know, just continue to see the work that we're pushing to try to make a difference uh, for a traditional America and for, you know, an America that, rec- that should recognize that, that uh, most foundationally we, we need to respect God and see a return for that respect in our institutions. Amen. Amen. Jeffrey Clark, thank you again so much for uh, sticking with us uh, over time into extra innings. We appreciate you. Uh, God bless you and Godspeed. Thank you, Doc. I really appreciate it, and good luck with your program. All right. Have a great day, sir. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Wow. Wow. The website is americarenewing.com, americarenewing.com. Um, some bombshells were dropped in that uh, in that interview with Jeffrey Clark, former Assistant Attorney General of the United States of America, two different divisions under President Trump. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about today. A lot to talk about. Uh, we want to say thank you so much to our advertisers. They are our friends, and they are the people that make it possible for us to do the Doc Washburn Show five times a week. If you try to buy a car recently... You realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website to put you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options on it. Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions and then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom, the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live, RedRiverYourWay.com. You will be glad you did. All right, let me ask you this. Does your financial advisor take the time to listen and get to know you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situations change? When you work with Jonathan Presswood, he focuses on what's important to you. He uses an established process to help you achieve your unique goals, whether that's preparing for retirement, making your money last in retirement, planning your estate or inheritance, preparing for the unexpected, or anything else, Jonathan Presswood can help. Now, what should you do if you leave a job and have a 401K or other retirement plan? Or if you're getting close to retirement or already in retirement? Call my friend, Jonathan Presswood, today. He'll help you create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And he'll partner together with you to help your strategy stay on track no matter what life throws at you. Listen, we can all dream of having a perfect retirement, but how many of us will actually experience it? No matter where you are today, Jonathan Presswood is offering a free retirement analysis to figure out where you'd like to be and what it will take to get you there. And there's no obligation. Contact Jonathan Presswood, a financial advisor with Edward Jones Investments, today at 501 503-4844. Again, that's 501-303-4844. Don't wait. Call Jonathan Presswood today at 501-303-4844. Now, if you're like me, you can't remember phone numbers, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com. Just click on the link to Jonathan Presswood at Edward Jones. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Hey, I'd like to help you with some health issues. You have migraines, neck pain, back pain, vertigo, acid reflux, eczema, problems with your 
blood sugar, maybe even hay fever. Okay, let's do a little test. Look in the mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? Look at a picture of yourself. Are you tilting your head to the left or the right instead of sitting up or standing up straight? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. That's how I got rid of my migraines, neck pain, and hay fever. Let me explain to you how it works because it's the best kept secret in American healthcare. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body. It can affect your respiratory system, reproductive system, circulatory system, even digestive system. And yes, it can cause migraines, neck pain, back pain, acid reflux, eczema, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar. Do yourself a favor. If you're in Arkansas, call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center 501-279-2009 for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted, because you probably do. If you're outside Central Arkansas, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, and click on Find a Doctor Near You. And I sure hope you can. All right, thank you once again to our advertisers, our friends, which make it possible for us to do what we do here. Five times a week. Mitch Ward over at RedRiverYourWay.com. Big old car dealership that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the vehicle of your choice the way you want to online and have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental United States. Jonathan Presswood. Um, Edward Jones, financial advisor. Can't say enough good about him. My friends, my doctors, Dr. J.R. Crabtree and uh, his wife, Dr. Tanya Crabtree at Arkansas Cervical Center. They've helped me and my wife and so many people whom we know to get better. Appreciate you guys. So, first of all, uh, Jeffrey Clark has been interviewed by a lot of people, and it was a humbling experience. I'm humbled and honored when I asked him the question about the irony that he used to lead the civil division of the Justice Department, and he would have to defend the federal government against people suing it. And now, surely, they're behaving in a manner toward him in which he clearly has just cause to sue the federal government, the irony of that. And he's like, gee, I hadn't thought about that. Nobody asked me about that. So somehow by the grace of God, when you stumble upon a good question to ask somebody, and he says, yeah, nobody ever brought that up before. That's a good point. Wow. Wow. I, uh, I'm not the sharpest knife in the firmament. I'm not the brightest bulb in the drawer. There are a lot of things I don't know how to do. But maybe I'm supposed to be doing this. So that was kind of nice. Um, if we had had a little bit more time, and he was very, um, very polite, very compassionate, in that when we got to the agreed-upon 30 minutes cutoff, there were three more questions I, I just I had to ask if he'd allow me to. But then his last response about how surprised he thought Merrick Garland and Christopher Ray were about the outpouring of outrage at the raid of Mar-a-Lago and how he's hoping that they dial this back, they don't indict Trump because the outrage will be through the roof. And I didn't have the heart. Well, no, I would have had the heart, but we were just we were way over our time limit. But my next question would have been, well, what if they want the outrage through the roof? What if they want a violent, chaotic reaction? 
because um, it seems to me that they are doing this on purpose. It seems to me they're doing this on purpose. And I'm very, very concerned about whether that's taking our country. So right about the time our um, interview started, Jeff Clark had a response to General Michael Hayden, former CIA director, who I talked about at length on the previous episode of the Doc Washburn Show, episode 119, which I did in the middle of the night last night. You see, there was this guy, Edward Luce, associate editor for the UK Financial Times, but he's based here in America. And he has said, I have covered extremism and violent ideologies around the world over my career, have never come across a political force more nihilistic, dangerous, and contemptible than today's Republicans. Nothing close. So I looked up nihilism, and it is the idea that you completely reject any religious or moral reasons for doing anything because you believe nothing matters. And so Edward Luce is defaming millions and millions of Christians in America who happen to support President Trump. He's defaming them as saying, well, you don't, you don't believe in any religion or moral values. And so General Michael Hayden, former CIA director, says, I agree, and I was a CIA director. Now, remember, this is the guy who, as uh, Attorney Rita Panahi says, is a pathological liar because he's one of the five former CIA directors to say that Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation, knowing that wasn't true. Anyway, Jeff Clark, the guy I just had on, responded to General Hayden saying, this is a ridiculous thing to say, General Hayden, and anyone who would say anything like this should never have been CIA director. Reading, reading this just leaves me wordless. So, I would um, recommend, if you hadn't heard it yet, go back and listen to episode 119, which I did a deep dive, I delved into the history of the CIA, especially regarding the assassination of DEA agent Kiki Camarena back in 1985. I was alarmed. I was absolutely, positively alarmed at what I uncovered. Now, speaking of alarming, are you aware of what Mike Pence, former vice president, said yesterday about the FBI? Uh, Mike Pence seems to be in agreement with people like Attorney General Merrick Garland, FBI Director Christopher Wray, that somehow using your First Amendment right to free speech to criticize the FBI, to criticize some of the things the FBI is doing to criticize some of the abuses of power. 
is the same thing as encouraging violence. Were you aware of this? Because uh, Mike Pence, a guy who actually thinks he's going to run for president, yesterday said this. I also want to remind my fellow Republicans, we can hold the attorney general accountable for the decision that he made without attacking the rank and file law enforcement personnel at the FBI. The Republican Party is the party of law and order. Our party stands with the men and women who serve on the thin blue line at the federal and state and local level. And these attacks on the FBI must stop. Calls to defund the FBI are just as wrong as calls to defund the police. You got that? That's former Vice President under Trump, Mike Pence. Calls to defund the FBI is just are just as wrong as calls to defund the police. Really? I don't know how you could be more tone deaf. But Mike Pence goes hurtling into the abyss of tone deafness. The truth of the matter is, we need to get to the bottom of what happened. We need to let the facts play out. But more than anything else, the American people need to be reassured in the integrity of our justice system and the very appearance of a recurrence of politics playing a role in decisions that the Justice Department demands transparency as never before. And I will continue to call on the Attorney General and the Justice Department to make that information available to the American people and do so now. Mike Pence. That's just abhorrent. That's just abominable. So, it's time to say hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Don Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Red River Your Way, a big old car dealership in the middle of the United States that believes in freedom including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to online, have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental United States of America. Today's tweet of the day is actually a thread from the great Julie Kelly. Now, she is a writer over at American Greatness, amgreatness.com. I have shared a number of her articles with you on the Doc Washburn Show over the last couple of years. And her response to former Vice President Mike Pence, well, she starts off with a link to the Washington Post article Olympic gymnasts sue FBI for $1 billion with a B over mishandling of the Larry Nasser case. Now, that's a group of more than 90 women, including Olympic gymnasts, Simone Biles and Allie Raisman, seeking a billion dollars from the FBI over its mishandling of the sexual abuse case because the FBI knew. They knew. The doctor, Larry Nasser, was sexually abusing, raping young women, and they did nothing about it for over a year until the Indianapolis Star newspaper started reporting on it. So Julie Kelly tells Mike Pence, hey, Mike Pence, you should have a chat with these women. Tell them to stop criticizing the FBI. Right? Because that's what Mike Pence just said. Stop criticizing the FBI. 
And then Julie Kelly says, and you need to defend the FBI investigator in the Whitmer case who beat up his wife in a drunken rage and was arrested after driving around town drunk before cops caught him. GOP must defend law enforcement no matter what. And she links to body cam video showing the takedown of said FBI agent and the Whitmer kidnapping hoax after beating up his wife and drunk driving. And then, then Julie Kelly links to an article She wrote on May 12th in American Greatness, Whitmer hoax defendants saying we beat them, we got justice. Subtitle, historically, American juries have hesitated to find the nation's top law enforcement agency guilty of setting up other Americans. But Brandon Caserta had the goods. And she says in her next tweet, Hey, Mike Pence, you should tell Brandon Caserta, one of the two men acquitted in the Governor Whitmer kidnapping hoax, that he shouldn't complain that he had to spend 18 months in prison after the FBI entrapped him. He's innocent, but, like you said, Mike Pence, back the blue. But wait. Wait, there's more. She links to another article she wrote at the American Greatness website, amgreatness.com, September 23rd last year, entitled An American Horror Story. Subtitle, Thomas Caldwell's is just one of several stories of American patriots living the nightmare of being American political prisoners And she says, hey, Mike Pence, hundreds of Americans have been tormented by the FBI over January 6th. Here's one. Tom Caldwell, a former Navy lieutenant commander, dragged out of his house, watched FBI agents point rifles at his wife standing in her nightgown. But who are they to complain? Right, Mike Pence? So, uh. That's our Tweet of the Day, brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. We appreciate you guys. The first response to this thread, Amanda Johnson says, they didn't just drop the ball on Nasser. What about Nadal Hassan, the Fort Hood shooter? What about the Vegas shooter and almost every mass shooter in the last 10 years? They've also had a very checkered history, and their functions could be farmed out to other agencies and the states. But sure, sure, Mike Pence, they're vital. They're vital. Yeah, yeah, can't criticize the FBI, Mike Pence. Sandy, right Glock mom over at uh, Twitter says... uh, And the garage door pulls. Yeah, you realize when Bubba Wallace, NASCAR driver, said, hey, somebody uh, left a noose in my garage, the FBI sent, what, 18 agents down to figure out it was a, uh, a garage door pull that was in plenty of garages at Talladega? Hey, you know what? Ten months after Alec Baldwin shot and killed a woman on the set of the movie he was producing, the FBI has come to the conclusion, you know what? Gun didn't fire itself. Took him 10 months to figure out that uh, guns don't fire themselves. I'll tell you what, what what a crack team of investigators there at the Federal Bureau of Investigation. But Mike Pence says you can't, uh, can't criticize him. 
Criminal referral? Are you kidding me? No, no, no. Alec Baldwin's a Democrat. He's a liberal. No, I'm sure he'll he'll walk. Just like Lieutenant Michael Byrd walked for the murder of Ashley Babbitt. What do you think about that? Mike Pence demanding that his fellow Americans stop criticizing the FBI. Doesn't really uh, pass a smell test. I don't know about for you, but it doesn't pass a smell test for me. Hey, Mike Pence, I got a, I got an idea. And again, this is just metaphorically speaking, Mike Pence. You know, I realize that we want to remain peaceful and nonviolent as Americans. You got Secret Service protection. That's great. So just metaphorically speaking, Mike Pence, why don't you take a long walk off a short pier, okay, pal? Huh? Capiche? You picking up on what I'm putting down here? I think uh I think I've had my fill of Mike Pence and Liz Cheney and their buddy Nancy Pelosi for one day. You've been listening to episode 220 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier X. And that's the way it is. Thursday, August 18th, 2022.